Kira and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, the editor for CIO New Zealand, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Josh Bankers from NZ Blood. Hello, Josh. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thank you, Cathy. Kia ora. Hope you're having a good day as well. <laughs> Tanakwe, great to see you. So can you tell us um, a bit more about your team at NZ Blood and your role there? Sure, sure can, Cathy. So listen, my role is Executive Director of Digital Technology and Information Management, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's um, it looks after all the digital side and, and IT side of the, the services and requirements in New Zealand Blood Service. So New Zealand Blood Services as an entity, uh, just a little bit about that because some people don't know a lot actually, including myself prior to commencing, but New Zealand Blood Services um the entity in New Zealand that collects, processes and distributes blood and blood products um, th throughout New Zealand. Uh, I've been with the organisation just over a year, actually, um, and I've really enjoyed my time and I've been learning a lot. Uh, my team is um, made up of a number of people that are, you know, very embedded in the organisation, a lot of experience around New Zealand blood service and, in fact, have come from the likes of the laboratories. Um, whereas um, some of the others are very more much IT focused, digital backgrounds and a little bit more generic in nature around uh, the skill sets of IT. So we've been, you know, continuing to develop and uplift the people inside the organisation and also with our vendors because we use a, a lot of suppliers in, in New Zealand Blood Service, I guess, to deliver the IT services. So all that combined helps us uh, on the journey here. So it's an organization with such a strong purpose, which which I love. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but you've also had a lot of experience working for, you know, big companies like Fonterra. You've worked overseas in a number of senior roles there. So I'm, I'm curious then about your experience of transformation. You know, it's thrown around as if it's just a given that every organization is transforming and it's an easy thing to do, but in reality, it's not, it's hard. So how has that approach taken shape in your own career? Yeah, look, I think there's, um, like you mentioned there earlier, there's lots of buzzwords around, you know, innovation, transformation, and they all sort of get bundled into the same sorts of conversations. But um, look, my experience around it is very much from the digital and technology side of side of transformation and, and influencing or helping to change, whether it be business processes or actually what businesses do as an entity. Um, it's unusual in my experience that the business changes wholesale. They tend to still do the same deliverables, i.e. producing the same products all that, although those things, you know, tweak and change, but how they deliver those tends to um, change a lot. And that's where the transformation really comes in. And there's there's new, numerous examples out there from a technical standpoint or technology standpoint that that often get talked about, you know, the, the Spotify's and the, the Airbnb's and the, and the Ubers and those, and they tend to be the ones that are up in lights and um, they've done an amazing job in those organisations. But when you get back to sort of the, the, the salt mines in, a, in an organisation like ours, the processes still are the same as far as collecting and processing and distributing. Um, so those types of things, we start to look at what are other industries doing, um, what are other blood services doing, and what can we leverage and implement those into our organisation. I think 
um, transformation and, like I said, innovation, often people view those as we have to have new ideas. I'm not saying we don't have new ideas, they're good and we should leverage those, but we shouldn't throw out the things that are good um, and we shouldn't overestimate or underestimate, I guess, we shouldn't underestimate what people have done before us and other organisations that we can leverage and put into our environment. And I think those are the, I broadly call them quick wins, but they're really not. But, you know, those are the things that you can grab and implement at a much greater rate of knots than trying to come up with something new yourself. Um, and, and that can really change our organisation. Mm. Indeed. So when you walk back then from the end product of transformation, whether it's, you know, introducing a new ERP or, you know, doing a wholesale change to a certain part of the business, are there any kind of key steps CIOs must take along the way? Is there ever, um, you know, a starting point to kick something off? In my experience, the, the change is driven by a um, a change in events or or a goal that the organisation is trying to achieve, whether that be, you know, often in private sector, which is actually most of my background, it, it tends to be growth or return to shareholders and those sorts of things. Um, whereas what we've seen, you know, in the last few years is considerable change around the world, particularly with, with the COVID story and the implications of that to health. Um, but the driver comes mostly from a change of events, I think. And the in quotes, the don't waste the crisis often comes about. So starting to work with stakeholders to see what could be different and identify how things can be different um, is a way to track those. So floods, for example, recent times here in New Zealand, um, there's elements in our business that we're starting to look at, say, hey, we've got physical records, for example, that could be damaged, yeah? Is that an opportunity to say, that's now a risk for us, water coming into a building is not great, can damage these records. Hey, that starts to trigger a conversation around digitizing some of your records and therefore the processes that run um, could be more digital than they are today. Those are how I find things kick off um, from a transformational standpoint, but really getting the key stakeholders aligned with the outcome for the business is really the starting point of that, right? This could be better. Um, and sitting in technology, um, I actually think that I don't really like the words um, enabler. I, I like them, but not on their own. So technology is definitely an enabler, but it can also contribute so much more than just being an enabler. Um, so I think having the understanding of the outcome of the change from a business standpoint is what is really required prior to kicking off a, a transformation. So change is, it's never an easy thing to do, right? And there are challenges that pop up along the way, whether it's legacy systems or not enough resources. So what are some of the kind of common roadblocks that have come up from your experience that you think CIOs must either be aware of and try and avoid or have a plan in place for how they're going to tackle them. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a little bit there around, around stakeholders. Um, and I think having the right people on board that own the outcomes of a potential transformation is the sort of a critical success factor. And something that I've ran into where whether it's myself or my team, or we're heading down a path of, of driving something. And 
before you know it, you realise actually there's no real draw for this. It's not being pulled. It's sort of being pushed from a technology standpoint. And, and all those those can be successful. Um, that's where I've seen failures or delays because it hasn't been um, a true priority of the person who owns that outcome. Doesn't mean they don't want to do it necessarily, but it means it's not on the top of their list or something that they're driving. So ensuring that that's the case and you've got that stakeholder buy-in um, early is, is absolutely a critical success factor. I know it's a little bit out of management 101, but it, it really does um, make a big difference. Mm. So how do you view transformation then? Do you think it's an evolution that it's just an ongoing development within any business or organization? Or do you like to see transformation as project-based with, you know, milestones and deadlines and celebrating mm. the wins? Where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, look, I think um, this is where you get into the little bit of understanding around some of the wording, right? But um, the continuous improvement aspect, I believe, is always always needing to be there, always trying to do something better, more efficient, uh, safer is really important in our environment. Those things are always needing to be there, continue, continue. Transformation tends to come about a little bit more infrequently. So you're doing something of scale or something of significance that's really fundamentally changing your business or changing what the outcome for your customers may be. I, I think where the goal or the outcome is really clearly understood, then then project base really can make a difference. And so you hit milestones and you ensure that you're getting the outcome that you're looking for. Um, and I think if something can be, you know, say containerized or put into a box for that, so you, you've clearly defined what it is, then you can very much structure it and push hard to get those outcomes. And that really helps you with timelines and cost all and potentially the size and the scale of what you're looking at. So I think it's valuable to do that at times, but um, transformation can also continue. But I actually put it more under that continuous improvement element. Transformation is really you need to know what your outcome is and push hard for it. Doesn't mean it can't change along the way, but it's really you've you've scoped it and you're pushing for it. Yeah. So how do you manage change fatigue then if you do take that continuous improvement approach? We see a lot of that in our organisation, actually, uh, and, and prior to where I've been before. Um, and it often comes about because you've got a lot of initiatives driven from various parts of the business and they may not necessarily be aligned. So you're hitting a given area or constantly changing a given area. Um, easier said than done but having an organisational view around what those priorities are and where those things are going to land in a given time is really one way to help try and solve that. Getting um, the people in the areas to own those outcomes also helps. So they're owning the outcomes of those changes as opposed to them being, like, like I said before, pushed onto them. Um, I don't think I've been in an organisation where that's been completely nailed and completely successful. Yeah, it tends to always be a challenge. Um, and executive management needs to be really conscious of that, right? Which is we can't keep pushing some things. We need to let people breathe. And importantly, let things bed in, those changes bed in and get the benefits of those changes. Maybe prior to pushing something else doesn't mean you can't entirely run it in parallel, but you need to think about those changes that have been put in and embed, embed them and, and get that value. Mm. 
So you mentioned earlier the importance of stakeholder management. So in your role, in what ways do you collaborate and influence the organization and its leadership team? Yeah, I've got some sort of mechanical, basic sort of little techniques that I do, um, which is, you know, with my colleagues at Exec, ensure that I'm constantly catching up with them on a monthly basis. And whilst it's not entirely structured, I generally go into those conversations with a little bit of a format to say, you know, this is what we talked about last time. Is that on track? What is your thinking going forward? Have those been successful? What have we learned since the last time we spoke? So little things like that really help. But I've also got general types of communications going out across my entire team on a monthly basis. We have a a town hall where people can ask QAs and all those sorts of things. Um, But the, the broadest one that I've got, which has really made the difference, I think, is I've, I've built the um, digital direction with my colleagues at Exec, and they very much own the areas of their business, and I'm supporting that conversation with a digital story, right? And um, that is for them to own and me to input into and support, uh, and that's really made a big difference and got a lot of buy-in. So um, the pandemic brought technology into sharp focus for a lot of organizations. How do you think the role of CIO has changed since then? Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting. uh, The the terminology even is interesting around a CIO. So CIO, you've got CDO, digital offices, CIO, and they get often talked about in the same breath. I think historically um, a CIO has been more orientated around around the technology elements and making sure those services are successful, but now they're so embedded into business processes and therefore business outcomes that it's moved into that digital element, um, you know, with data and and, and customer being the focus. So um, I think really the the digital side of things has, has become more prevalent and, and it's, it's recognised, I guess, that those things are in, embedded into that business and therefore it's such a critical role um, in the organization before the pandemic it's unfair to say it was completely like this but before the pandemic you know the CIO was very much talked about can you fix my PC can you fix my uh, make sure my servers are all up and running and my my applications are operating so it's more that sort of operational focus that that is supported supporting and running the existing processes I wouldn't say it's only the pandemic but I think um, that has very much helped the role of a chief digital officer to, to, for people to realise how embedded these things are into a business. In fact, in, inside our digital direction and our organisation, I've got a, I've got a story around that that basically outlines the core business processes, which says, you know, we call it vein to vein, which is the name of the from donor through to um, distribution and, and, and patient services, but there's not many elements of that entire all supply chain that um, don't have some sort of technology supporting it or enabling it. And if that technology is there, it's very difficult to enable at all. So I think those sorts of things have been front of mind and people now understand that. And I think the other, other thing that's, I, I say helped again, helped, but be careful about that word helped in this context, but the cybersecurity aspects that have got so much visibility and um, noise in the last you know, 
five to 10 years is really also helping the the role of CDO and the importance of that in the organization right up to board level being being a big risk yeah that's so fascinating I love that vein to vein analogy there and it really brings it back to your people doesn't it of, of the importance of what they do and and how they help people so then Josh you know and um, the role of CIO or CDO or CTO you know um, a lot of different titles there but what do you think are some of the key attributes of a successful modern day CIO when it comes to leadership mm. yeah so it's interesting you talk there about the leadership side because the technology side yes you've got to have a base in that you've got to have a really good understanding but it's somewhat becoming a little bit more secondary in the conversation around those particular roles and the roles are more moved into that executive level being able to have hold strong relationships and influence across the organization for the better of outcomes of the organization yeah I think those are where it's moved to and people focused CDOs and CIOs are are really getting a lot more traction than they have in the past it's not a conversation around technology it's more of a conversation of you know organizational fit things like values Um, like you mentioned around our organization you know like the purpose is actually not talked about a lot Inside the organisation, it is, but not a huge amount, not as much as I've seen in in um, private sector, because it's almost a given. Everybody understands what our entity is about and what it's doing. Whereas I've been in other organisations where they spend a very long time on the definition of the purpose of the organisation to try and get all the employees on board and and other stakeholders and customers and things like that. Whereas here at New Zealand Blood Surface, that's we're really helped along in that context because those things already exist. And I think back to the leadership side, you need to align to those things. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you in a position where you're not aligned to those things in the organisation, then maybe that's not the best spot for you. Mm. Yep. So how do you create that internal culture then with your people to really connect them and, and, and make them feel like they're thriving and achieving their professional and personal goals? Yeah, I, look, I think... There's always buzzwords, but I think the biggest one I always try and, and do my best on is empowerment, right? So try and get people to drive their own destiny at work for their given area or their given team and function and um, get them to own it so that if they want it to go one way or the other, there's a conversation about that, that but they're bringing that to the table. Yeah, so I think empowerment is so, so important there. The thing that goes hand in hand in that is developing them as individuals in the context of our organization and their role yeah and those things are very much parallel uh, because you empower them um, they come up with an approach to their own personal development um, which obviously needs to align with the organization outcomes and objectives etc but then they they get a lot more buy-in at work and I find that that uh, if you can get that into your leaders, then your um, teams that are supporting those leaders also start falling into that pattern. Um, being completely open in communications and answering questions in broader forums also is all part of that journey of of empowerment and developing our people and and yeah, not hiding anything from them. So I think yeah, the two things is empowerment and development for me. Mm. Absolutely. So another key aspect of high performing teams is diverse teams. The more diverse your team is, the more um, 
likely it is to perform well. So why do you think we don't have enough diversity in IT roles? And what do you think, what are some kind of practical things that we can do to attract more people from different ways of thinking and different communities to consider IT as a career? Yeah, you're spot on there. It's definitely an ongoing challenge for us uh, around the industry. Um, I like some of the things that I've seen, uh, a little bit of work with um, Datacom, actually a little bit of work with Tafata Aura. So they're really trying to get those ground level uh, interest going around um, the industry of digital and technology. So I think we're still in a little bit of a, a hangover of the traditional you know, IT as a male domin dominated environment from when I was young, you know, like it was very much male dominated, but it it came from, you know, the boys all, also like the gaming and they like the getting into IT and that's where it's come from. And we haven't yet broken the back on that. It's still got a long way to go to change, but I, I do like the fact that, um, okay, like we talked about before, IT, digital, it's got a much more marketing element. It's got a much more, you know, interesting and um, interesting element that people want to get involved in. And I think that's starting to grow in our younger uh, younger generations. So I think longer term, we're we're starting to head in that direction. But right now, we've still got that ongoing problem. And in in our organisation and previous organisations, I've been in trying to develop internal capability helps in that respect as well. So for example, where we are, we have quite a diverse range of people in our laboratories, yeah? Whether they be internationally uh, appointed in the past and they've come to New Zealand um, or, or, or other diversities, that's not a bad area for us to develop people into IT. Now, they, sure, they come in an entry-level roles, which is another challenge, but it's not a bad place for us to start. Um, but the the thing we're really chasing there is diversity of thought, right? That's really what we're chasing when we, well, I believe when we say when we say diversity. So as an industry, I think we've got a long way to go, but it's it's definitely getting there. And when I talk to other leaders, it's definitely front of mind, right? It's definitely something that we're trying to improve over time. It's not only IT, obviously, right? It's it's uh, it's not only IT, but it's a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So what's some of the best career advice you've ever received, Josh? Um, it, this is one of those ones that's easier said than done. But I think a couple of my managers have said this to me in various guises, but it's it's about making the most of the opportunities that are there in front of you. And I know that people always have other challenges and other things happening and priorities in their in their lives. But when you're at work, give everything you've got, make yourself whole there um, and identify those opportunities for yourself and learn everything out of them if you can. So there's a number of things that I've done in my career and for whatever reason, I was busy at the time or had other things going on family or whatever um, and I didn't get everything I could out of those opportunities yeah maybe I was going at 80 or 90 percent or whatever and that's reality right I get that so that's going to happen but I always now look at things and I consciously think about it to say am I getting everything out of this opportunity that I can um, and that's not always possible but I, I like to think that way now because if I look back 
there's so many things that I could have um, I could have drawn out of some of the experiences that I didn't. And it's a simple message, but hard to achieve. But I, I use it when we're um, you know graduate program type experiences. You know, they may go through cycles of six months in a row type of thing. And it's easy to say, get the everything out of you can everything you can out of that experience in the six months. Um, but I need to also help them a little bit more to say, listen, it's not just the processing of something in that job. It's the relationships that you build. It's the experiences that you have. And you see those processes and you may be surprised in future um, how generic they actually are and how many other organisations use the same thing. So I think that's probably the one, whilst I've had, plenty of advice over the years that's the one that I think um, really helps me to leverage the experiences that I have mm. absolutely and listen we all make mistakes and um, but you know they, they can really shape us as a person is there anything that stands out from you um for you that really shaped you as a leader even though it might have been something that was very uncomfortable to go through at the time oh look it's not it's not so much that it's uncomfortable. I guess it probably is a little bit looking back, but <laughs> it's it's the thing of um not necessarily consciously or actively um plotting a path for myself career-wise, right? And and what that's about is um not necessarily having a goal or a number of goals that I'm shooting for so generally just floating along and something pops up and oh yeah that looks fun I'll go and have a look at that opportunity and go and do that I think in the last sort of three to five years I've got a little bit um, more conscious of that and focused on that which is to say no no no, I I don't want to do that I'd rather rather do this because it's where I want to go and I've setting goals um for myself that uh, give me a little bit more direction. And I think that's something that, is it a mistake? Yeah, probably, right? It's probably as looking back at it. And it is a little bit uncomfortable to say, hang on, I've done all these fantastic things and I've done these fantastic roles and worked with amazing people, but I could have done a lot more if um, if I'd consciously thought about it and actually given myself uh, a bit more of a personal challenge and a goal to chase. Mm. And finally then, Josh, what's important to you in the months ahead at New Zealand Blood? Look, we've got a number of things in flight. Uh, We've got um, continued pressures around growth for our um, business. And what I mean by that, it's not a traditional um, shareholder type model. It's um, it's growth of our products in, in blood product services so that are going out there so that's continually growing and us as an organization we need to not be ready well not only be ready we need to continue improve and continue build our capacity capability and and knowledge etc around that to to meet those demands so i think that that's broadly always going to be there i think in the industry like ours but what more closer to home in my role, we've got a number of big projects going on that are pushing throughout the next 12 months that are really helping to change our business. And you can touch on that word transformation. We've got some um, two significant r- projects that, are, that I'm sponsoring that will will change the organisation from a, um, the way we process uh, blood and blood products, but also um, lifting some of our 
labeling standards to a global set of standards. So those types of things are really pushing hard and we'll put a bit of pressure on myself and my team over the next next 12 months, but that's exciting, right? And, um, and, and of course, they're all dependent on each other and if we miss milestones, then yeah, they impact other things. So lots of pressure there, but exciting. Exciting. Well, we wish you the very best with the projects in the year ahead. Joshua Banker is Executive Director for Digital Technology and Information Management at NZ's Blood. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Kathy.